My title this morning is Delays and Cancellations. It really doesn't sound like it's very inspiring, but you're going to see this morning that when God puts a delay on something in our life, it's not a denial. He's not saying no. He's just saying not now. And this timing aspect is a real important factor in us staying in faith and trusting the Lord because As we've discussed before, time is not an issue with the Lord, but it is with us. And sometimes we feel like the clock is ticking in our life. And when is this ever going to come to pass? And I think that uh, if you can say amen to that, uh, we'll get started this morning. And everyone said amen. Amen. Genesis chapter uh, 39 in the last verse of that particular chapter, verse 23, it says, The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So Joseph now is in, in a season where he's in prison and he's been falsely accused and condemned and sentenced. And, and he's, he's there because of uh, a lustful woman and and. Uh, and she cast longing eyes on him and then she, you know, sort of uh, misrepresented the facts and her husband got angry and in his moment of anger he made an unjust and an unwise decision and now, you know, Joseph is, is in prison but notice that the Lord is with him. And because of this, it says that he was successful. Another way to say that is he prospered and then this is a synonymous word also, he found favor in the sight of the Lord. And, and I, I closed last week, or a portion of what I closed with, where there's four keys to God's blessing or his prosperity or his favor in our life. And I want to give you these four keys again because they're so important for us to really hear and to assimilate and to really ingest into our spirit. Here they are. Number one, the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. The key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. Number two key, the key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. Number three key, the key to obedience is faith. And the fourth key, the key to faith is hearing the word of God. I could say it this way. When we hear the word of God, we have faith to obey its commands and instructions, which leads us to experience his presence, which causes us to prosper. So there's this path of God's blessing and prosperity and favor that we can find when we stay in step with his plans and purposes for our life. So when God blesses or prospers us, it's not just for us. It is that we may be a blessing and that we may establish covenant with people in the earth who don't know Christ or who are out of covenant. It is to preserve those who are perishing in their sins. This is the reason that God blesses an individual or a family or a congregation is because there's a bigger picture involved than just the individual or the family or the congregation. There's generations that God thinks of when he thinks of families, and there's communities that God thinks of when he thinks of his church. And sometimes we ask for the blessing for ourselves. God, if you would just bless me, if you would just bless my family, But God wants to do more than that. God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And this is the Lord that we serve, that the God who has the bigger picture in mind. And the more we hang out with him and 
the more we fellowship with him and the more we get to know him, the more we begin to understand the picture is much, much broader than what we imagined initially. When you got saved, it was a great day. You got saved and, and heaven rejoiced and the angels rejoiced. Your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But you were saved for a greater purpose than you just being saved. There's something called household salvation and generational blessings. And these are the things that we want to tap into because this is the greater cause of God. This is the greater purpose of God. While we rejoice in everyone who accepts Jesus, it's important that we carry this knowledge to those that we love and to those that God loves in this world who don't know him. And all of that is part of God's bigger picture and his plan. Joseph, when he was 17, his first account of the two dreams was to tell his family about it. But it seemed to me when I read the text that it was somehow about Joseph, that they were going to come and be subservient to him. They were going to bow to him. He was going to be the ruler and they, they were going to be the servants and and. As we continue to read through the life of Joseph, which is found in Genesis 37 through 50, we see a change in the way that he interprets what's going on in life and even a change in why God gave him a dream as a 17-year-old. And and I, I want to pause here for a minute and I say that God gives dreams or visions or desires to everyone. And sometimes it can start at a very young age because it takes time for the dream to come to pass, for the desire to bear fruit, for the seed, we would say, to germinate and to bear fruit. And God is a a good steward in all those seasons in our life, but sometimes does it seem like there's delays or cancellations in 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 the path? It does seem that way at times. But we know that God is not that way. That's just our interpretation of what currently is going on. But the longer that we walk with God and stay true to God, the more we begin to process and begin to believe, no, I'm right where I need to be. I'm not where I'm going, but I'm not where I used to be. And this is where we pick up in the life of Joseph right now. He has found favor. The blessing of the Lord is upon him, but he's in prison. That seems a long way from, you know, being a ruler or having his family recognize his true calling and purpose. Seventeen, seventeen, the dream begins, the desire is birthed, and it's a godly one. It takes a while for that to nurture in him and to eventually bear fruit. Can you remember if maybe you're, you're younger than 17 and you're forecasting you wish you were 17, and then when you get to my age, you, you forecast the other way, and, and you wish, you know, at this age, sometimes you could go back to 17. Uh, but 17, you know, you, you've sort of got the tiger by the tail, in a sense. I mean, you've got, a, you've got enough of life that you've lived and uh, but you you think that that you're ready for whatever, you know, God has for you, you're ready for it, wherever he wants to take you, whatever he wants to do. And 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 you're in preparation, though, for what he has for you at that age. He has to plant that seed first. And that's what he did with Joseph. So 
no matter what season you came to the Lord in, there's a divine, incorruptible seed of God in you. It's the incorruptible seed of his salvation and of the word of God. And it gives birth to desires, godly desires and visions and aspirations. And, and it's something that you and I need to protect. That's why scripture says, guard your heart, because out of your heart come all the issues of life. So Joseph 17, God visited him. He gave him not one dream, but two dreams. And now when we pick up our text in, in chapter 40 here in a minute, he's in his latter 20s. Uh, not quite a decade has passed, but a good enough time that I imagine he begins to question and begins to ponder, is it ever going to happen? A lot of delays have already occurred. And so maybe that was just something that was wishful thinking or just something I conjured up in my own mind. Maybe it was youthful pride. But it's not. If it's the Lord, it'll stay with you. So Genesis chapter 40, we're going to begin in the first verse. And it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their Lord and the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with the two officers, the butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. And he served them, so they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in prison, had a dream, both of them. Each man's dream in one, in, in one night, and each man's uh, dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were with him in custody of the Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, we have each had a dream and there's no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, "Uh, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me, please. And I like the way that this chapter opens up. It says, and it came to pass after these things. So there are certain things that had to come to pass before Joseph met the butler and the baker. There there were certain things that just had to transpire before these two characters came into his life. And and the butler is an interesting because he's he's known as a cupbearer, but he served the king in, in numerous ways. And so if you had an appointment with the king, the first person you would meet was the cupbearer or the butler, because the king never hosted anyone without having a place of hospitality where he would sit with his guest or entertain his guest. And so the cupbearer or the butler was always present serving him. The baker was in the background, you know, preparing the delicacies and the tasty morsels for all of them to partake of during those hours of hospitalities and during those meetings. So these were, you know, two people that were in the king's cabinet and part of his staff. And they had a role and they had a purpose And they would eventually, one of them would eventually open a door for Joseph to have an audience with Pharaoh. But it really wasn't the butler, was it? It was the Lord's doing. It was the Lord's working all the while. But who was he working through? 
people. He was working through common, ordinary people. He, he was doing things to set up appointments so that his purposes would come to pass. And, and sometimes we think we meet people by accidents or happenstance, but sometimes it's like God's divine appointment, his providence that's setting up those meetings and those times of conversations. And we have to be sensitive to that. So I like that it says when we talk about delays, we're wondering when, and God is just moving the chess pieces around the board so that everyone's in the right place. And and God is a better chess player than checkers. You know, checkers is something that, uh, you know, is is fundamentally elementary, and, and chess is more strategic, and there's strategy in, in what you're doing with that. Not to say that checkers isn't. I'm, uh, I'm not challenging anyone either, and so don't take that personally. I uh, I don't know that I'm great at either one of those uh, of those board games. But uh, let's continue to read. These two men had had dreams, and and um, this is a tough pill to swallow sometimes. When God asks you to help somebody else with their dreams, when your dreams aren't coming to pass, that. That sometimes is a challenge. God asks you to be happy for somebody else when sometimes you're concerned about how your well-being is doing. And yet he, he, he says, and it seems that he's very sincere and he's very humble about it. Hey, would you, would you just tell me your dreams? I know it's, it's God's business to interpret them, but potentially if, if we all sort of, you know, Share, maybe we're going to come to some conclusions here. So what happens is they share their dreams. Joseph interprets both of their dreams. One is favorable, one is not. And uh, and three days later, the king has his birthday. And lo and behold, the butler is restored and the cup is put back into his hand. And the baker is hung outside on the gallows and uh, he gives up the ghost and passes away. And, and it's interesting in that, in that scenario, if we skip down to, uh, to verse 20, and it says, I just want to read that account. It came to pass on the third day, uh, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants. He lifted up the head of the chief butler and, uh, and of the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his, uh, butlership again, and he placed the cup in, in Pharaoh's hand. And he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. But the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. How can you forget someone who saved your neck? All you have to do is look out the window and, and there's the baker hanging by a noose. And you would think, epiphany, my life was preserved because of this man named Joseph. This, this Hebrew. And, and I'm an Egyptian, and, and yet, you know, somehow God blocked his memory. It seems like this is a cancellation. Like, I know that that sometimes is a, is a sensitive word in today's culture, but I mean, basically what the butler did is just said, Hey, I forgot all about you. I'm back in my place, and I'm in good stead, and, and I'm in, in you know, favor with, with the king, and so regardless of how I got here or, or who helped me to get here? I'm not, you know, he had no remembrance of him. But 
the story doesn't stop there. It just continues to unfold and unwind. And uh, we can see in chapter 41, in verse 1, then it came to pass at the end of two full years. Would you notice that? How, how specific Scripture is. And it came to pass. Another season of delay. It hadn't come to pass yet, but a, another piece of the puzzle is about to be put in place so that there's more clarity. And it came to pass after two full, full years that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he stood by the river. Now, these dreams are very detailed. Uh, and they were concerning to Pharaoh because, uh, you know, you, you have seven fat calves and, and, and then these scrawny little uh, weasel of, of cows uh, swallow the fat ones and they're still just as scrawny and, 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 and uh, deplorable looking as ever. And then, you, and then you, you sort of shake that dream off and you, you fall asleep again. And, uh, and if it was a good dream, like if you've ever had a fun dream or a good dream, you're like me, you wake up in the middle of it and you try to fall asleep as fast as you can and say, I'd like to pick up that dream right where I left off. Does it, do you do that? It never happens that way. I'm always like rats, but he shook off that, that disturbing dream. And, and then he had a second disturbing dream. And the second disturbing dream was just as, as specific, you know, Full grains and 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 uh, a bounty, and then and then strong winds and scrawny ones swallowed him up, and then they're just there's nothing, and and he doesn't know what to do. So what does he do? Uh, he can't interpret it. He doesn't understand it. He's been up all night. He's troubled by by these dreams because he senses that they have they have something to do with with what is going to come to pass while he's in in authority. And so he he calls his cabinet, calls all his staff, calls all of his his people, and none of them can interpret anything. And then there's this moment of epiphany. Two, two plus years later, the butler wakes up out of his stupor. He, he wakes up and he remembers Joseph. And if you skip down with me, uh, in verse 9, in chapter 41, it says, then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. Well, well, thank goodness he finally remembered them. I mean, can you say better late than never? <laughs> right. And then Pharaoh was angry with his servants, and, and, he, and he put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. So he's recounting that season, and, and Pharaoh's probably thinking, okay, okay, get on with it. And, and we each had a dream, and one night, uh, uh, he and I, in each of the dreams, according to the interpretation of his own dream, and there was a young Hebrew man there and uh, serving as the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And, and he says, and it came to pass. It happened just like, just like he interpreted for us. And, and so it happened. He restored uh, me to my office, and, and he hung, and he hung the other character. And then verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and, and he was shaved. And that means he, he got, he got all groomed up, he shaved, he changed his clothes, and he came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I, I've had this dream, and there's no one who can interpret it, but, uh, I've heard it said of you that you can understand a dream, and uh, to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it's not me, God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So he, he shared the dream with him. And at, at the conclusion of sharing this, this dream with him, we can pick up in verse 38. And this is what Joseph said. 
this is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Now, is Pharaoh a, a righteous king, a godly king, a God-fearing king, a God-loving king? Everybody say, no, he's not. I mean, he, he's got so many gods that he worships. He doesn't worship the one and true living God, and yet God spoke to him. Because all authority is instituted or ordained by God. So he speaks to this man in authority, and it's very, it's very comforting to me that God had someone in place to help this ungodly man understand God was talking to him. You know, sometimes we wonder, does God have people in places to talk to people so that they know that it's him talking to them and not just a spaghetti dream or a pizza dream or a pride dream? And the answer is yes. God has people in place to talk to other people so that they know it's God talking to them. And I know that to be true because God did that for me and he's done it for you or you wouldn't be saved. Amen. So uh, he has this, this, this dream. He starts to interpret it. And at verse 29, he said, Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise. And all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. It's, it's amazing how quick we forget. You remember how warm it was two weeks ago? Point given. All right. So uh, in verse 31, so the plenty will be not known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. My point is this. We live in the present. While, while we can learn from the past, we're still living in the present and we're still moving towards our future. So that's why it's so easy for us to forget. That's why, honestly, even though I had a little fun with the baker, I give him grace because I've forgotten at times people that have helped me, people that have been good to me. And then goodness came to me, but I forgot that it came through a certain individual. And uh, But then, like you, like me, there comes a time where, oh my gosh, I better straighten up and get this story right. And God gives us that opportunity. But in the midst of it, doesn't it feel like you're on a delay? And and I don't mean to bring up a sour subject, but just maybe to bring a little light humor to this. If, if you've ever been in an airport and your plane is delayed, you understand what delay means. Uh, enough said. Um. You, you could use another analogy. Uh, you have a desire or a dream in your heart and it just seems like it just keeps getting pushed farther and farther away from you. And you're not even in a position to even see it come to pass. You understand what I mean by delay. Cancellation just means that it just looks like there's no way forward. You know, we're, we're going to have to try to reroute or reschedule or redo this. But, but God... But God is a God who's always on time and whose time is always perfect with his purposes for our life. So, you know, the famine followed verse 32 and the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. 
The scripture says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So it's an established word. It's going to come to pass. And, uh, and so, and then, and then Joseph just gives some counsel to Pharaoh and Pharaoh is, is really impressed with the counsel that he receives, uh, from Joseph. And then it says in verse 39, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, inasmuch as God has shown you all of this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall rule according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Joseph and and Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Now, the, the dream wasn't about him being Pharaoh's right hand man and the second in authority over the the largest and most powerful uh, nation of the world at that time. What was the dream? The dream would be that his family, his family, you know, would would recognize his calling and would honor and show respect unto him. And that's what bowing did is they recognized Joseph's calling and placement. But they're all they're they're different, but they're also connected. You know, his brothers wouldn't have recognized the call if God hadn't promoted. And so God promoted because he set it up through a series of dreams. And even though Joseph's dream seemed to be on delay, he was helping other people's dreams come to pass. And because of that, God kept opening doors for him. The best thing to do when you don't know what to do with the desires or dreams that are in your heart is help somebody else with the desires and dreams that are in theirs. And when we do that, it's amazing how God begins to posture and position us for what he's put in our heart. So those those two truths uh, are, are so important that we have to remember the Lord prepares us for what he's prepared for us. I, I keep coming back to that phrase in this series. He stretches us in order to strengthen us that we depend on him and that he's a good father and he wants us to grow and mature. And that's where we get the title Ready, stretch, and grow. So these two truths that I've just read about throughout this chapter are so important. Uh, these are the two truths, right? Joseph helped others with their dreams. And Joseph was respectful towards authority and recognized that God was speaking to Pharaoh. And and because of the discernment and the wisdom and, and uh, that that God had given Joseph, obviously, it benefited him. Verse 46 of chapter uh, 41. And it says, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before, before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. 13 years has now transpired. Chapter 42, verse 1 and 2. When Jacob saw that there was, was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, why do you look at one another? And he said to them, Indeed, I've heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. Verse 6. Now, Joseph was governor over the land. And it was he who, who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed before him with their faces to the earth. This is where the, the, the first dream actually comes to pass. It manifests. Everybody say, what God says will occur. Right. So Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and he spoke roughly to them. 
And then he said to them, uh, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but he, they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed about them. And he said to them, no, you guys are spies. You've come here to see the, the nakedness or the exposure of our land. And, and you've come to take advantage of us. And they have this conversation and, and he sends them back. He sends them back to, to Jacob and, uh, and to Canaan and, and, uh, he sends them back fully loaded with grain and, and he put all of the money back into their, their saddles. And, but pretty soon they run out of food again. And, uh, they remember, you know, the only place to get food is we got to go back. We got to go back to Egypt to get supplies and, uh, but we can't go back. Joseph said we can't go back unless we bring our youngest brother with us. Of course, Jacob, the father of all of these 12 boys, is is against that, opposes it 100%. But over the course of time, you know, it's either starve or give place to uh, those instructions and, and go back. And so they, they they went back and, you know, there's this, this uh, quite a journey. There's sort of a, you know, one-upmanship. They're playing, Joseph's playing with his brothers and to test their sincerity and to see, you know, if, if what they say is actually, you know, they're going to do this time. And, and we pick up the story in, in chapter 45, in verses 1 through 9, it says, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, uh, Make everyone go out from me. And so... Uh, so no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. This, this is the, I mean, this is the pinnacle of a moment where all the emotions have sort of come to the surface and Joseph can't contain himself anymore. And the way that Joseph conducts himself at this time is so commendable because he has so much authority and so much power. But the way that he begins to communicate and talk with his brothers, the, the emotions that he show, shows that he has made the trip. He has matured. He has grown. He has gone through the process of being ready. He has been stretched beyond human imagination. And now he has grown. And we see evidence of this growth in how he treated his brothers. Now, did his brothers treat him well? Harshly. Unjustly. Absolutely. But... That's not the way that Joseph is going to respond to his brothers. And we can see why God positioned him the way that he did. And so he, he needs, he needs to have everybody leave while he talks to his brothers. And it says in, in uh, verse two, and he wept aloud and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. He just like the floodgates of his soul opened up. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence like the breath went out of them. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But but now do not uh, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. He understands the bigger picture. Notice he didn't say, God sent me here so that you would see that I'm really supposed to be over you. 
What he said is, God sent me here for a bigger purpose, and it was to preserve life. Verse 6, for these two years a famine has been in the land, and there's still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not uh, you who sent me here. Notice who he said, but God. And he made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son, Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. So chapter 46, Joseph and Jacob and and uh, Benjamin are reunited. And uh, Benjamin, it, it, I was like this part of the story is they're sitting down to share a meal together. And, uh, and Joseph, you know, is, they're all very excited. But when it comes to Benjamin, he's a baby. He gets five times more food than anybody else. So Isaac, just keep that in mind when lunch comes around today. Five times more food for Isaac. All right. Now, verse 50 and uh, verse 15 through 21, I want to, I want to finish, uh, and show you that even though Joseph has made the journey. His brothers were still stuck. And Joseph is going to help them get unstuck because that's who Joseph is now. Joseph is a person that sees the bigger picture, that understands the purposes of God more clearly, and he knows it's not about Joseph. It's about God. And since it's about God, it's about a family. And since it's about family, it's about generations. And since it's about generations... It's about salvation. And through Joseph and through his life of consecration and obedience, God preserved a line of people in which Jesus was brought into the world. Chapter 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us. And may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. And so they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brother and their sins, for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespasses of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. It broke his heart. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order, why? To bring about, as it is this day, to save many people's lives. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph's words of comfort to his brothers reminded them of the bigger picture of why God sent him before them. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641 828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.